Hello, my name is Christopher Monroe, and welcome to the soundtrack to a life. The world is an oyster, locked in a shell. You like the taste of it, can't take the smell. I can't sleep to save my life. Hello, and welcome again to the soundtrack to a life. Uh, I am Chris. With me once again is Daniel. Hello. And this is the third episode in a row where somebody is talking about a punk record that was formative to them. This wasn't intentional, but I guess I shouldn't be surprised. A person's first punk record is an incredibly formative experience for a certain type of person, and it shouldn't shock me that a sizable portion of my friends are that type of person. We are talking about Jawbreaker's 1995 album, Dear You. Daniel, tell me about this record. Tell me about your relationship with it. I guess just for background, I I was born and raised in Fort McMurray, which during most of my formative years was kind of a cultural wasteland. This is largely pre-internet and pre-internet being really useful for much other than very slowly downloading songs and grainy pornography. And even that was later into my teens and into university. So I didn't have a real strong musical upbringing. MTV was a thing, but I can't remember us actually getting it on cable. I don't remember ever watching it. But we had much music, which was the cheap Canadian knockoff. <laughs> uh, and I think responsible for a lot of Canadian kids' musical education. And when I graduated high school, uh, which would have been 2001... I was watching Much Music, and they had a program called Loud, where they would play some metal and some punk, and that was kind of, at the time, kind of one of the only shows I watched regularly on there. Through high school, I, I didn't listen to punk, or very little of it. Some Green Day, some Offspring, the radio punk that you got in those days. A lot of bro punk, which was never really my thing, and still isn't just never never hit me quite the way that the stuff I'd find later would. But playing on Loud was a was a track from a band called Thursday. And it was their video for their song Understanding in a Car uh, in a Car Crash, which I instantly loved. And I couldn't really put my finger on why it just it just hit me. And this was about the time where things like Napster and Kazaa were coming out, so you oh, could yeah. You could slowly start to get music that you hadn't really had exposure to. So I got some of that and then just kind of went down a bit of a rabbit hole and started looking up all of the bands that they toured with and the bands that they'd been influenced by. Nice! And that, that, was, that was how I discovered new music for a very long time and still do. That is not um, the worst way to do it. And with Spotify now, it's the easiest thing in the world. You go and you look up the related artists to something you love and just kind of yeah. spiral out from there. It's fantastic. I wish something like that had existed when I was younger. It would have probably saved me from a number of corn and limp biscuit record purchases, which I made as a teenager. Everyone did it. Yeah, we, we, I mean, like, we didn't know any better. I we didn't. learned. But... 
my taste in music was still the very frattiest kind of and electronic music. Like my whole prodigy thing is not less embarrassing, but it is to me. Yeah, looking back on my listening from that time is not something I'm super proud of, but the you tail know. end of the '90s were just objectively worse. Bad. Can we, yeah. just as a culture, come together and agree to that? Yeah, it was a it was not a great five or six years there. No, they had a lot of interesting one hit wonders, and very little else to recommend them. Yeah, I don't look back on a lot from that. Well, no, that's not true. I look back on a lot from that time. It's just not what I was listening to at that time. Fair. So, I eventually left Fort McMurray and moved to Edmonton to go to university. And it was while I was sitting in residence going through a late-night music trawling that I found a track called I Love You So Much It's Killing Us Both Mm. by a band called Jawbreaker. And that's just objectively a fantastic title for a song. Yeah, that's a magnificent title. I I grabbed it because I I needed to know. And this this was just before kind of the big explosion of a new wave of emo bands with long, pretentious song titles, yes. which I jumped on wholeheartedly. But this record had come out six years before, and the band had actually been broken up for four or five years at this point. They broke up long before I ever heard them. So they had, they had a, an established discography. There wasn't going to be anything else. It just it existed as it was. Yeah. And so I listened to this song and immediately fell in love with it. It was it was the music I had kind of been looking for. Most of the music I had been listening to in high school was angry, which I was because I was I was a 16, 17-year-old band nerd who got beat up a lot. So, yeah. But and being angry was the approved was, emotional response that dudes were allowed at the time. Yeah, but the the this was this was the first music that didn't just make me feel angry, it also made me feel sad, which is a weird thing to kind of latch onto, but it just felt important. It was the way that I needed to feel right then. And I was I was miserable in my first year of university. I didn't know anybody. I hated my roommate. I hated school. Uh, I had started drinking, which it turned out was a real bad idea and should never have done, but was really good at, so I just kind of went for it. If you're doing something really well... Just go all out. You And I did, but it really just kind of hit on... It hit on the way that I was feeling at the time in a way that nothing else had really connected. Yeah, it does um, It does resonate differently than other bands of this ilk. Like, it feels a lot more minor key. So, I know, I know your theme has been my first punk record, and this isn't my first punk record. Yeah. This is my first emo record mm. in, like the true hipster nerd sense of it. Yeah, yeah. Which I could go on forever. But it was... it was, And this was kind of the tail end of a certain wave of emo. Not quite into the radio-friendly stuff that would pop up 
very shortly after I discovered this, you're like you're taking back Sundays and Fallout Boys yeah. and the stuff that kind of all of whom are fine. Yeah, I like and those bands. Right I, I I like quite a few of them and have paid money to see some of them. But they they were kind of riding on on the wave that Jawbreaker was a part of, and there was kind of a movement, and most of it was kind of in the Midwest. Jawbreaker was like a weird <clears throat> California offshoot. There was a lot in kind of your like upper Midwest and yeah. Washington D.C. areas. Yeah, uh, a lot of it. Are these guys from California? Yes. Okay, that makes sense. They do. There's also a SoCal sound to them. Yeah, and like I, I less so, felt like they were the missing link. Less so on this record, but on some of their earlier records, a lot of a lot of reference to California. That makes sense. Uh, the Bay Area specifically. There was a lot of punk happening in that area at the time. Yeah, and a lot of it kind of the bro punk that I didn't care for, and this just kind of this really stood out for me. Nice. Yeah, and it does. Uh, it's a really melodic record with a really strong pop sensibility, and which it is, really which is boys not... you along, like the build. On these songs is really good, uh, but what I found most striking is this gentleman's voice is really interestingly placed for the style of music that he's making. Yes, like it's almost a whispery alt rock. So the the this record in particular, it was their major label record, mm. not on a major major <clears throat> label, but. On a major label compared to what they had been doing before. Yeah. Um, the guy who produced it also produced Green Day records around that time. That makes sense. So if you actually go back and listen to records that came out before this, there's a very there's a very big shift. This is actually not my favorite Jawbreaker record, and it's not the best Jawbreaker record, but it is the one that... It's the one that got me into them, and it's the one that essentially changed the way I listened to music. So it's the most important, which is kind of the purpose of this podcast. Yeah, that's Um But yeah, there, th- it is a much more poppy record, and Blake Schwarzenbach, the lead singer, actually had surgery to repair his vocal cords. Really? Shortly, shortly before this was recorded. He did not always sound like this? No, he always sounded mostly like this. It's a, it's a little bit... It's cleaned up more yeah. on this versus some of their older records. And especially the difference between this and their first record is extremely notable. Yeah, because like I think that is my favorite part of this uh, music, is that it is obviously like a SoCali emo-y punk band where the front man does not sound like either of those styles of music. Like, no. you could... And I think the same is true of the arrangements and the minor key that they're doing some of their writing in. But structurally, if you put in a female vocalist doing high harmonies, turned up the distortion on the guitar, and then mixed the vocals lower, they could almost be a shoegaze band. Yep. Like, yeah, I could see that. Like, drop the tempo a little bit. Yeah. And they would have uh, fit very easily into a scene like that. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and, like, that... And that's not... Like, that's not... That That's something that I would ever expect to be combined in a form of music. Yeah. Like, those that, are not genres that are adjacent to each other. That kind of brand of emo, less so Jawbreaker specifically, but kind of the same era that they came up with in and Shoegaze share a lot of 
introspection. Yeah. They're very similar branches of the same kind of musical tree. I'll buy that. No, that makes sense. And this was uh, this was their major label, yeah, major-ish as, label debut. As as major as they ever got. <clears throat> yeah. And note for anybody not in their thirties, in the medium nineties, a band called Offspring released a record on an independent label that wound up selling about six million copies. And in its aftermath, every major label snapped up at least one punk band from Southern California. A lot of the albums released in this way did not do a lot of business, but a lot of, like, cool punk musicians did buy very nice houses <laughs> <laughs> on a desperate A&R man's dime. So that was useful. Yeah. It was an interesting period in popular music as everyone was suddenly pushing their version and, and this of is, radio punk. The, this is definitely a, a child of that era. Yeah, and that was a fun era. Like, I was kind of super into that. My threshold for bro punk is higher than yours. I personally think that it's fine as long as you're not expecting your punk rock to do anything. Like, if you want to have a record on while you're trying to wake up because it will energize you a little bit and yep. ask nothing of you in return. You could do a lot worse than No Effects or Rancid. That's true. And I haven't actually seen No Effects. I've seen Rancid in concert and quite enjoyed it. Yeah, I feel like they'd be fun. I feel it's like all of these bands are fun live. But I mean, not going to put it on if I want to think about anything. No. like The, the energy's there, but they I, I find them hollow in a lot of ways, I think. Fair enough. They're not, uh, and I mean, if you hadn't deep dived this genre, that's that's almost certainly where I would have ended up. Yeah, I would have ended up a bro punk. Yeah, and it would have been fine. It would yeah. have served all of your punk rock related needs. However, you did bother to put in the effort and find out what was happening in the interesting corners. Yeah, I I, I went down a weird genre rabbit hole and have been a obnoxious obnoxious hipster about it ever since. Nothing wrong with that. I literally host a show where two people talk about music at each other. And that's what I've chosen to do with my free time. So I get that impulse. I also understand I am one of the two people sitting here doing <laughs> that right now. True fact. So these guys, uh, these guys broke up. What... Uh, about <laughs> six years later, the style of music that they pioneer becomes radio music. Yeah, and kind of goes through a pretty big radio thing from about, about 2000, 2001 until probably 2007, 2008. It went, Somewhere in it went there. through a pretty good run. You had... Like, if I wanted to set a movie about young people... Yep. Basically, at any point during George W. Bush's presidency, this is it would be emo. Like it would be an all emo soundtrack. At least a significant portion of it. Yeah. Yeah. Like this music was very in line. And I mean, several of the several of the bands that came up through kind of that stretch of it are are still around. Much less popular than they used to be, but. They're still there. Yeah, but that's just and, what happens when you make music for young people and then you age 10 years. Yeah. Like, it is a very rare thing well, and, that a band is as popular as they were a decade ago if they were popular a decade ago. And and now now we've actually hit the point where kind of some of the pioneers of that genre, their records are 20-some 20, 20 years out. And so about a month ago, 
I actually got to see Jawbreaker. Mm. Yeah, I saw a photo of that. So they, like I said, they broke they broke up in about ninety six, ninety seven, somewhere yeah. around there, and it looked like it was going to stick. They were never going to play together. They from what I understand, stopped talking to each other for Ooh. quite a long time. It was not it was not a friendly breakup. They, yeah, yeah. they were famous later in their touring for fighting on stage and screaming at each other and so there's a there's a music festival in Chicago called Riot Fest every summer and they have managed somehow to be the festival that just pulls reunion acts out of nowhere. They got the original lineup of the Misfits last year. Sure. This year they had the surviving members of the Wu-Tang Clan play Absolutely. 36 Chambers from back to front. But the he- the headliner this year was Jawbreaker. Oh, wow. And in like the lead-up to the festival, they played maybe five or six like, kind of warm-up shows. Yeah. But I saw <laughs> one of the first Jawbreaker shows that was played in 20 years. Nice. And it was... Quite possibly the greatest experience of my life. It was... I would think... It was amazing. If a band that I had loved from 20 years ago reunited uh, impromptu, I would lose my goddamn mind. It... It was it was incredible, yeah. and but like there were there were a couple of other bands like from the same era at the festival playing. Yeah, and I don't know. I don't think it's making a resurgence of any kind, but there's definitely still for the small group of us that were deep into it. There's still it's still it's still pretty important, I guess. I mean, there's always going to be a need for punk rock because sixteen year olds who get bullied are always going to need to be angry. Yeah. There will never not be a time for that. Jawbreaker were headlining the festival? Yeah. They were the headliner on the closing night. They weren't wow. they weren't the biggest show there because the the closers on the two nights before were Nine Inch Nails and Queens of the Stone Age. No, no. So there were definitely more popular bands, but they were the big holy shit, these guys are playing. Yeah, like I can't help but wonder, are Jawbreaker a much bigger deal? that I had been sleeping on? Or is this the sort of thing uh, where just I their reputation grows over time? Yeah, because the <clears throat> I was I was definitely in the crowd with kids who are 16, 17, 18 now. So the same age that I was 16, yeah. 16 years ago when I first heard them. Yeah, as, they, were, as were, they discover Jawbreaker being linked to them on Spotify. Who, who were there and who were just as rabid about it as I was. And there were people who were 10 years older than me who would have actually gone to a Jawbreaker show in 1995. Yeah, so I think, I don't, I don't think they were necessarily that popular or I don't think they're necessarily popular now. I just think they've now gotten into a third generation and it was the kind of thing that, at least for me, you traveled for. You put it kind yeah. of the, it was the, this is a thing that I have to go yeah. see. They are the reason that your music taste is what it is. Yeah. You should go pay homage to that. Yeah, and I I weirdly had to be like bullied into doing it because I, I missed school and I had to spend a whole bunch of money that I didn't have to go do this. And right. Every bit of it was worth it. Nice. I wonder if any uh, material will come of it. Like, they've played some shows together. They've demonstrated that the audience is very much still there. I will say, in general, I would prefer that punk bands 
not not reunite but i feel like with these guys they are down tempo enough i don't the first time around that if they came back and put out an album made by men in their 40s I don't know that anything will come of it, and if something does, I don't know how I'll feel about it. Oh, can I help? Yeah. Disappointed even if it's good. I know that from the Pixies reunion. Oh. <laughs> yeah. That's fair. Like, they have put out two albums, both of which are just fine, that I will never listen to again. Yeah. And they got me twice. Well, because you, you're, you're going to go back hoping that that magic came back. Yeah, I mean, and the magic, especially for bands that A, have had a formative influence, and B, that have been gone for that long, the magic cannot come back. Because even if the band is everything that it used to be, you are different. Not, nothing, you are nothing not the kid ever, discovering music for the first time anymore. Nothing is ever going to be the same as me being 18 years old sitting by myself in a dorm room. Right? I am, I am a world apart from being that kid. And yeah. Yeah. I just... No, I, there, there, there's a big part of me that kind of hopes that it was that and that's kind of where they call it. Yeah, just a big culmination. I feel like there's a really good chance that's where it will end. Because the pen very much does not get along. But, like, it's a great way to celebrate everything that they've accomplished. Like, from the bits and pieces and, like, interviews over the years that I've read, because anytime they pop up in any news that I see, I immediately flock to it, crossing my fingers for just kind of this occasion. They are friendly, at least now. Okay. But I don't, I don't know that they're reunion friendly. I, I don't... Being friendly with somebody is not the same as I can spend nine months yeah. living next to you and seeing you every day. And I don't think any of them are actively making mu- other music right now. At least not that I'm aware of. Um, the lead singer has had a couple of bands since, which I have enjoyed to varying degrees. But I don't, I don't know that any of them are still making music now. At so least not, really, not, nothing that I'm super aware of. So they were really a get yeah. uh, for Riot Fest. Yeah, it was it was a pretty big deal. Again, if you're... The kind of person the, who would go that, to an event called Riot Fest. That particular kind of person. <clears throat> Which, I mean, you should be. Yeah, not to, oh, no, uh, it not was, to disparage people who are not, but... No, it, it, was a, it was an excellent festival with a very broad, a surprisingly broad range of of stuff there. Like I said, Nine Inch Nails closed out one night. New Order were there, which was really good. I was furious that you saw New Order before me. Yeah. Wonderful show. Yeah. Like I said, Wu-Tang Clan were there. Yeah, yeah, Which I sadly missed. Wow. What did you see instead of Wu-Tang? I was watching Dinosaur Jr. because I was lining... No, I'm on board. Not on purpose. I was lining up... Three hours early to get a good spot for Jawbreaker. Motherfucker. <laughs> oh, I really enjoyed Enjoy Jadisaur Jr. more. I, I thoroughly enjoyed the show and those dudes are delightful. It was no, it was a fantastic show. <laughs> they, they were just one of those bands that just kind of escaped me and I'd never had a real entry point into. Yeah, that checks out. But real fun show. A really oh, good time. Was yeah. not was not upset to be standing around watching them during the lead up. No, I would think not. I saw worse bands waiting around for other acts to start. Ooh, what was the worst band you saw? I had I had to stand around and watch the Mighty Mighty Boss Stones play. Oh, the Stones. And 
I just, I don't do ska. Oh. I just, I don't. They are very good at what they do. I... They just don't do yeah. something that I'm interested in. Fair enough. Now, ska in general. Not my thing. Or third wave California ska. Third wave California ska specifically Ooh. is grating to me. All right. There's a degree of ska that I will forgive. Mental note to have you back on and then angrily force you to listen to a second wave British ska band. Oh, that might be painful. <laughs> that, that... Ska revival is that, coming. That could be a less cordial experience than this one. <laughs> Every 20 years, ska comes back. Yeah, I guess we're about due then, aren't we? Yeah, we are. Oh, boy. It will be happening. I wonder if they'll ever be able to pick it up. Ah, uh, they just want to pick it up so badly. Just keep reaching and never quite getting there. Now we have to make a documentary about a ska band. Do we? I think we have a tagline, and therefore... Yeah. <laughs> All right. He wanted to pick it up. He kept reaching, but never quite got there. The Sublime Story. Oh, no, no. no. I, am, I am right back out again. You almost had oh, But Sublime were so popular. They they were. Still are for some reason. Yeah. I did not... Here's how effectively, during the 2000s, I kept my music to music that I had chosen. I did not know that Sublime was one band... Because I had only ever heard Sublime songs performed by douchey bros oh. at karaoke. So I thought that, and I knew, like, I'm living person who was walking around in the mid to late 90s. Like, I was aware that Ska Revival was a thing. Like, Hard to avoid. Def, it was impossible to avoid. I was actively avoiding it, but still found myself at a safe Ferris show one time. Like, you just, it just was very ambient. And I knew that it was all from that era. Well, and... But I thought every Sublime song was by a different band. Oh. I can I can see how you could make that mistake. And that this one douchey bro Just... liked whatever ska band did date rape. Or the wrong way. Or I am a creepy dude and you should not buy this record. Yeah. The popular Sublime song that we all know and love. Yep. And it, yeah, it did not... It did not come to me that these were the same guys yeah um, i mean you you could definitely have just kind of rolled the dice in the ska band section and you could have probably plastered those songs on a couple of other records and they wouldn't have been out of place yeah i mean people love ska yeah whether whether you want them to or not and it will be everywhere in about two years so gird your loins i've ne i have never been more thankful for the ability to curate my own musical experience than it's, i will on that day it's really great there's a good chance the ska revival could happen and i will miss it no you won't ah <laughs> uh. i'm literally gonna force you to listen to a ska record from the 1970s you better believe i'm gonna show up to your house <laughs> <laughs> When ska music starts showing up. Oh, and I have friends who will rap me out for that, too. I There's no avoiding it. Oh, 100%. They will give you my address. 100%. Everyone who has ever snuck a creepy Victorian doll into your home... I mean, that's ...will be people. showing up with ska records. It's too many people. Yeah, that is too, too many people. I say that as one of the people, but... Like... 
No, it'll happen. Which, by the way, I found when I was cleaning my apartment not that long ago. Nice! It was still there somehow. Nice! Consider yourself lucky. I sneak Smurf's shit into Dan's house. Good. (laughs) Good. (laughs) We watched Smurfs together on Twitter. Oh, I know. <laughs> did you catch... I have, I have you catch followed those conversations with glee. Four hours later, in the middle of the night, when Dan tweets, God damn it, Monroe left his copy of the Smurfs at my house. <laughs> I didn't catch that. <laughs> you but own I, that now, Dan. That is for you. But I have heard him complain about owning it several oh. times since then. He owns three different Smurfs DVDs now. <laughs> and several figurines of Smurfs. Oh. Well, in that light, Ska is not so bad. Ooh. Tweet us with whether you think Ska is better or worse than Smurfs. Hashtag Ska or Smurfs. Smurfs is being spelt with a V. Yeah, put that, put that <laughs> poll out. I am interested to see how that one pans. Done. That will be tomorrow's poll. <laughs> yeah, and I don't... Like, I think that structurally, these guys could put out a record t- today if they wanted to. I think that everything builds really well. I think that it's not, this is not like a sexy thing to say about a band, but it feels very craftsmanshipy. They obviously know how to make music of this style. Yeah. Uh, incredibly well. The guitar solos always sound like they're about a half a beat from completely falling apart. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then pull together at the last second to kick back into the song, which is something that I would imagine is incredibly difficult for a band to pull off but that I am a sucker for. Any time that the song might just collapse into shambles when they play it live, I am fascinated listening along to the whole time. Um, What I don't think would hold up if they tried to put out a record today, even though it does appeal to me, the production of this album, when you told me that it was produced by the same gentleman who produced a bunch of uh, records for Green Day, it shocked me zero much. It sounds very 1995. Yes. Like, this is what music sounds like in this very limited, very brief period of time. And, and and it was not it was not well received by by Jawbreaker fans for that reason. Oh yeah? Yeah. The production the production on this is very much of the time and not terribly reflective of their earlier work. It is a very large departure from Yeah. This is the major label version yeah. of what Jawbreaker are doing. So the uh, it's the very uh, it's a very clean, yeah, empty room. Yep. Reverb on the vocals, little bit of distortion on the guitar. Yeah. But everything else is being produced like it's a mainstream radio pop song. Which is what I think the label intended it to be, and oh, it yeah. just never was. All all of the bands I think from the post Green Day pre Fall Out Boy. Yeah, they, they, they all, all have punk. very similar production quality to yeah. them. And I could definitely see how fans of Jawbreaker's earlier material at the time would be angry with that. Yeah. But as somebody who is discovering this band 22 years after this record came out, sounds great. Sounds yeah. like my high school. Yep. Fantastic. Bring it on. I was 17 years old when this record came out. And in the back of my mind, this is what commercial punk rock sounds like. Yep. And I am fine, just fine with that. Yep. <laughs> and I mean, and for for me listening, like when I listened to it for the first time, the production didn't bother me because again, I grew up with the same kind of sound, and that's, that's just kind of just that's what punk rock that's sounds. What like. punk sounded like by the time it gets to us, we yeah. aren't in a club 
in Chicago in the 1980s. And then, I mean, you eventually go back and learn better and you know that there's other stuff out there with zero production and it sounds entirely different. And oh, yeah. You love the shit out of it. Yeah, but that was a, the biggest knock against it. And for me, is probably the biggest knock against it, too. The actual... The actual songwriting and the and the music itself is very similar to their older records. Yeah, because they it's were just very clean. They weren't doing anything differently. They just had a producer. They sound very different. They just had a producer applied to them. Yeah, where previously they had not. Yeah, but lyrically, it's still very, very dense. Uh, very, very beat generation inspired. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack in the lyrics. Here. Yeah. Which is what I think got me in the first place. It wasn't so much the sound, it was that there was something there was something there that really spoke to me, and I think that's kind of what yeah. ended up getting me. There was something to it, like it was yeah. personal to the artist, and therefore personal to you. Yeah. As you discovered it. Which makes uh, sense, given your disdain for bro-punk. Yep. Music that sounds and feels great. Yeah, well, but it is it is impersonal. Like they are, and I'm not going to say all of it because I'm sure somebody very immersed in this that style of music would tell me differently. Oh um, yeah, but like it feels like they're 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 writing punk who, rock songs because we like to play punk rock songs. Yeah, and not a lot of thought is given. I to I, the content I guarantee that. you there are people who feel about Pennywise the same way I feel about Jawbreaker, and I will I don't understand them, but yeah. I totally believe they feel that way. Well, then they're going to be disappointed when they reboot that punk band uh, with a different frontman. Is that a Stephen King it joke? And will it still be relevant by the time this actually goes to air? Yeah, it'll probably be. That fine. seems fine. If I wanted to not do dated material, I wouldn't. Do an entire months of shows about punk bands that nobody but us had ever heard of from the 90s. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Pennywise also played at Riot Fest. I did not see them, though. Oh, I yeah? Just, I caught bits and pieces of it as I was walking between stages. I probably would have. It, if it, there were nobody else playing opposite them, obviously. It, it sounded like Pennywise. <clears throat> yep. Yep. Like, exactly what I imagined Pennywise would sound like. I was just... I can't even remember what I was in between, but I was running from... Something to something else. Mm. It's the trouble with festivals is that there's always... There was a lot to see and schedules overlapped. It was some tough choices had to be made. Yeah, that scans. Uh, so we are, we, are reaching, uh, we are reaching the end uh, of this process. All right. Uh, let me state for the record. I have saved this record. I will definitely be listening to it again. It's real fucking good. Awesome. Um, Glad to hear it. Yeah. What is the best Jawbreaker album as opposed to the first if I were to get a second one. 24-7 Revenge Therapy. Solid. Yeah. Solid. I may well look into that. That seems like... Is, like these is, guys is, are, the, is the one that I would recommend. Yeah. These it guys are a favorite. delight. They sound exactly different enough from what I know of this genre of music to open me up in a way that is really enjoyable and engaging. Excellent. Uh, for punk rock. And we are going to be ending the episode tonight on Bad Scene, Everyone's Fault. Good choice. Yeah. Excellent choice. Yes, we are. This has been the Soundtrack to a Life. I have been Chris. I'm still Chris. Follow along on Facebook and Twitter at SoundtrackCast. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to us on iTunes or whatever podcatcher uh, you enjoy. Rate us. Review us. 
go buy a Jawbreaker record and then listen to it all the way through. You will enjoy having done so. It's really good. Daniel, what do you wanna what do you wanna push? If anybody feels the need, if they want to hear a lot about cats hockey and just me yelling about nonsense, uh, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Freak Pirate. You can check out if you're in the Calgary area, my theater company, Scorpio Theater, or my roller derby league, Calgary Roller Derby Association. Solid. We have been the soundtrack to a life. This has been Jawbreaker. Everybody, enjoy your evening, and we will talk to you again in about two weeks. Bye. <laughs>